you know, we're thinking about it a few different ways. And what we want for our people is for them to be able to, you know, eat well, sleep well, exercise, stay connected, feel supported, have flexibility. So we, we sort of had these pillars, I suppose, that was guiding our mindset. Um, and then that has just sort of very much now dictated how we run a lot of our initiatives, I suppose. You're listening to the Wellness Warrior at Work podcast by Hika. In this space, we share real, practical and eye-opening stories and advice from human-focused leaders who've put employee health at the center of their organizations. We discuss everything from engagement and motivation to mental and emotional health so that you have the tools and inspiration you need to make a real impact on your employees' well-being. So whether your challenge is getting leader buy-in, a low budget, or navigating a global crisis, this podcast will show you that you're not alone and that nurturing a culture where everyone is happy and healthy at work is possible. So let's get to work. Grab a pen and paper, find a comfy sofa, and let's start designing the wellness-focused culture you've dreamed about. This is the Wellness Warriors at Work podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Wellness Warriors at Work podcast. Today we are joined by Chloe Bartle, People and Culture Lead at Trova, a marketplace for unique, hard-to-find products from the world's best independent boutiques. Trova is one of the fastest-growing tech businesses in Europe, one of Wired Magazine's hottest European startups and also ranked first in the prestigious Startups 100 Index, so I couldn't be more excited about this interview. Chloe shares how they've managed growth during the pandemic, what their virtual onboarding process looks like, and their approach to holistic employee wellness. We also dive into the challenges they face and the most important things employees are looking for when joining a new company. Truva has a personal and genuine approach to employee well-being, and if you're interested in creating more human-focused cultures, I'm sure you'll love this conversation. so much for being here Chloe. No worries Alicia thank you so much for that very kind introduction. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah it's really great, to, yeah, really great to be here. So let's just dive right in and tell me as a mm. fast-growing startup you are how have you managed this growth during the pandemic and how does your virtual onboarding look like? So I think during the pandemic, um, you know our sort of our approach to kind of growth and, and hiring we were very targeted in what we did. Uh, so we made some very kind of targeted and strategic hires. And actually, it was a lot of probably more building on the resources that we had. So looking at, you know, what are the strengths? What are we doing as a business? How do we get our boutiques through this pandemic, to be honest with you, and get them out the other side? So actually, kind of as a business, we grew a lot. In terms of the hiring, I think we made some rapid and strategic hires, but we didn't do kind of huge amounts of hiring. Um, so it was a lot of, you know, being focused on doing more with less. Um, so that was kind of quite key for us and actually I think kind of quite a key part to our success. In terms of what the virtual onboarding process looks like, this, this is iterative. Um, I don't have a magic bullet, um, you know, and it's definitely changed a lot over the last 12 months and I think it's going to keep doing that. You know, I think there were some really practical changes for us in that now, you know, a lot of our onboarding is guided through, you know, our people system, Bob, you know, it speeds up your processes and, um you know, allows you to be sort of more hands-off with some of those kind of more admin-type parts. But I think, you know, onboarding isn't is so much more than that. You know, the onboarding really starts, I think, when not when someone signs a contract, not when someone kind of signs up to your people system, um, but it, it starts when they kind of walk, walk through the door. 
Uh, and I think for us, we definitely have to have the mindset of, you know, this person is isolated really. So, you know, how they can't see people, they can't easily access people. So how do we make sure they have everything that they need to be able to do their job? And it was once we kind of had that mindset, then we started to think about, so what are the things that we, you know, kind of need to tweak and that we need to change? And so I think our onboarding process is very much, it's it's a dance really between the people and culture team and the, and the managers. You know, so the people and culture front, we are responsible for that sort of company-wide on, onboarding part um, and there's, you know, the practical elements. So when someone comes in, you know, before their first day, do they have all the do they have their laptop? Do they have a screen? Do they have a light? Do they have a chair? Um, and, you know, we're the first person they meet on their on their first day at Truva. Um, and for us, it's, you know, how do we get them online and kind of visible to the business immediately? That is kind of the most crucial part for us now. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, and with that, I think, is the how do we make sure people have access to the right calendars, the Slack channels, the email groups? Are they invited to the company meetings? That stuff needs to happen immediately because otherwise they just don't have any visibility into the business. And I think that is really kind of how, how it's changed. That stuff has to happen straight away. And then I think it's been quite sensitive to the sort of additional touch points. You know, we make sure that um, every new starter has a buddy. Um, we set them up on Coffee Roulette in Slack so they can meet people through the business. Um, we do little Slack intros. They have a little team bio. We, you know, get really excited and we kind of greet them with lots of emojis. You know, it's these kind of small little touch points that I think really make someone's onboarding experience. Um, you know, we're very vocal to the business about, you know, in kind of our company meetings at our company stand-up and, you know, check out each week who's coming in, who's going out. No one is sort of rocking up to surprise. We're really excited to see this person. And I think our onboarding sessions have been really kind of key as well. You know, it's, it's nothing, I think, overly groundbreaking or sexy, but it's really important that within the first month um, we have these online kind of remote sessions now run by our team leads. And it's about what our function does, who we are, who you can go for, what impact we have on the business so I think that's really sort of the people and culture sort of part of it. And then there's kind of the manager side. The manager is very responsible for, for the job piece because they know the ins and outs of the job so much better than we do. Um, so it's then their role, you know, in that kind of first 90 days to make sure, you know, are they meeting the right people? You know, do they know what good looks like in their job? You know, and that is a really key part for managers. The managers be very clear on, and that's what we really push our managers to do is, you know, what does good look like? You know, you've got a roles and responsibilities. What is this person going to kind of output in the first 90 days? What should they be achieving? And then making sure they feel really um, confident on that running the probation process. So <laughs> that's probably quite a long-winded response, but it's it's a really on, you know, it's a really involved process. And so that is sort of, I think, how how it's changed. No, it makes sense because there are so many like of the little things that would be would seem very intuitive. But if we're not in the actual physical place, then like, how are you supposed to find out? I, I don't know. For instance, I'm thinking of even going to lunch, you know, like you see everybody standing up, what the usual customs are, all those things. But from home, like you, you would have no idea, especially if you're new to the team. So I love how, you know, it's really clear you've taken care of every single detail. And um, I think that actually connects really well with my next question, which is about the employee experience, because obviously onboarding is, is a big part of that. But what is your approach to the employee experience in general? And how do you take care of your employees' holistic wellness? So I think probably the best way to sort of explain our journey around this is probably in the context of the pandemic. Because I think 
Prior to that, I think the pandemic really changed our approach to the employee experience and how we think about holistic wellness, sort of even as, as a topic. And, you know, to be quite honest, I don't think it was at the forefront of our minds in, in quite the same way before the pandemic happened. You know, I think we we kind of moved from the remote working part quite easily. You know, we were already a remote remote first business. Um, people work from home quite quite frequently. And so I think that was sort of quite simple and that we could, we did the obvious stuff really quickly. Um, you know, you sort of do your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, make sure people have their equipment to work from home, they've got the right access to things, we're doing everything through Google Meets, everyone's got a chair. And then I think when it started to change was when we really started to realise that we were in it for the long haul a little bit and you definitely started to get a sense that the sentiment had, had changed in the team a little bit. And so that's when we sort of took a bit of a step back and we sort of surveyed the business about well, kind of how are you feeling about this pandemic and do you feel that, you're, that you can do your job and that you're being supported? And I think when we got that feedback, we started to realise, it became so evident, and maybe this sounds silly, that your people aren't static and the people team is in a static function. So, you know, we were watching in front of our eyes how all of a sudden the needs and, and of, the, of the team were changing really, really quickly. You know, we surveyed people a couple of times and each time the sentiment was changing, you know, there were some common themes, but, you know, it was, and it was also having impacts on people in different ways. And so that's when I think we took this much more holistic approach to how we thought about looking after our team. And as a sort of people team, we went to business and said, look, you know, how we're starting to think about kind of wellness and the employee experience is, you know, we're thinking about it a few different ways. And what we want for our people is for them to be able to, you know, eat well, sleep well, exercise, stay connected, feel supported, have flexibility. So we, we sort of had these pillars, I suppose, that was guiding our mindset. Um, and then that has just sort of very much now dictated how we run a lot of our initiatives, I suppose. Um, and so now what we do is, and this is definitely iterative because like I said, you know, things are changing a lot and I think it will probably settle maybe over the next few months, let's see. But, you know, we did things that we redeployed our budget in different ways because we started to recognise that people wanted different things. So rather than, you know, in the money that we were using for parties and socials, we started doing things like, um, like a little wellness package so people could either have a veggie box or we sent sort of curated care packages from the people and culture team. They could have a contribution to their learning. So we're giving people some options. So we were recognising kind of the individuality of people's needs or the uniqueness, I suppose, of people's needs. You know, our office manager is a PT nutritionist, so she set up this wellbeing calendar with stuff every day, like activities you could do. So this was sort of some more light-touch stuff because some people... I think we're coping really well and, you know, the light, the light touch stuff is kind of really satiated them. And then I think we started to offer, we now offer more opportunities for connectedness and that's not just about getting, you know, more people on a Zoom call. We've started doing things like, um, like discussion groups. So when Black Lives Matter happened, for example, you know, I think it really was quite shocking to the team. I think it was a lot, really kind of varied amount of kind of emotional responses and plus we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we pulled together these kind of quite formal and structured discussions. But the point of it was you had this chance for the team to connect in a way that was quite organised but in small groups. It allowed them to talk about, um, you know, a really important topic in a, but in a really authentic way and in a really safe environment. 
you know, and then we did things like making sure that those discussions were recorded, that they were done at a time that was inclusive in that people could work around. So they were recorded and that people, um, that parents could listen to them, for example, if they were looking after their kids. Um, but also we tried to make it that people in different time zones could join. So, and that's something that we're, I think we're going to keep, and a lot of that approach we're keeping in different ways. So we're keeping some of our discussion groups. We now do this in a more targeted way with our managers as well. So making sure, giving our managers to have more time to connect with one another as a senior management team and do a lot more kind of lessons learned and, and sharing. And I think the other part of that sort of kind of holisticness um, is giving our managers more support and training around I think topics around sort of, you know, authenticity, vulnerability, because I think what we've really learned, and I think this is here to stay, that, you know, your work experience doesn't happen when you shut your laptop off at the end of the day. Um, that is just, and I think beforehand, you know, that's sort of ha often how you could feel with an office. You finish for the day and that's it. But now, you know, that's, it's just not the case. And I think especially in a startup as well, it's a very emotionally kind of charged environment. So it's making sure that our managers feel supported and they have the right training to be able to, um, yeah, I think kind of support our team in kind of their work environment and more in more sort of personal elements as well. And I think finally there's, there's sort of more kind of simple things that we do now, like, you know, we've been, we've flexibly, flexibly furloughed um, parents that have asked for it so they can, you know, do, do um, like you know, school runs and homeschooling so they can work shifts, for example, we're flexible with times when people come into work, we have a small office space, we grant recoup and revive days. So I think there's, you know, little kind of small tweaks that we've done as well. Yeah, and I love how you mentioned this thing um, quite at the start about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Because um, like you said, it is about first identifying those basic needs that people have mm. and then definitely building up on them. And like, for instance, the discussions you mentioned, it's very different to anything I'd heard before. And I've heard about all sorts of benefits, but it seems like such a great plus and you know a good thing to include once employees are already you know feeling secure feeling safe and have everything you know the basics for instance the chair you mentioned stuff like that just something where they can really like let their creativity and their their opinion just like um run loose so i i really love that thank you for sharing and can you tell me a bit more about the challenges you faced in relation to culture and employee well-being during the last months and how you addressed them. So I think when I was thinking about sort of some of the challenges we've faced, I think it's probably two major ones and I'm guessing this is probably quite similar for a lot of businesses, right? There's the kind of the staying connected element and then there's this kind of the work-life divide element. So, you know, your personal life kind of very much blurring with with your work there's just you just almost can't get away from it and then actually on the latter part the thing we didn't really expect I think was the the struggle that our parents had um, and how much that work-life divide how much it really impacted them because to be honest as a team we don't really have that many parents I think it's about maybe 12 percent of the business so when you're running things like surveys, when you're having team check-ins, it's actually quite easy for those needs to sort of be overlooked or how their struggles to be overlooked. Um, but I think what we found that they were, to be honest, were disproportionately struggling to everyone else because what was required of them was just so much more intense. And actually how we had to approach that was very different to sort of the standard, oh, this is how we're going to support the work-life balance. Like what they needed was sort of quite different altogether. 
And I think in terms of how we addressed it, I think as a business or address kind of the, the connectedness and the work-life balance, I think a really important part of it was being quite strategic in what you did and not just running around and doing it in a really panicked way. You know, I think we, we say at Truva that we, we kind of have three customers, right? We've got, we've got our boutiques, we've got the customers, and then we have our team. Um, and I suppose what, with that approach, it's, you know, when we support our boutiques and our customers, we do things in a very considered, in a very strategic way. And it's the same with the business. It's the same with our team members. So we were very clear on what we wanted to achieve, getting lots of team feedback. And I think being very intentional and executing quickly was was key as well. So it wasn't about doing tons of stuff. Um, it was about doing some very intentional things and just getting it done at sort of incredibly rapid speed. So for our parents, for example, you know, I think a good example is one of our engineers, um, his child's nursery had a COVID outbreak and he had to work shift, shifts with his wife. And to be honest, you know, what we did as a, as a team is we sent him um, some toys and some activities for his kids to, to help keep them entertained. It was pretty simple. But from there, it sort of became a bit of this snowball effect where, you know, across the, the team, everyone sort of got involved. Um, so, you know, our VP, our, our VP of product, um, she started running Disney quizzes um, for the different kids in the business um, to give some of the parents a coffee break. Um, you know, we were just kind of very flexible with, um, you know, our parents and the times that they were able to log in and log off. Um, so I think it was really kind of quite interesting about how sort of self, self-regulating self that part became. I think on the work-life divide bit for sort of the broader team, um, obviously, there's a kind of the flexible furlough part um, that we did very much for our parents. Um, but then we did things like you know, just listening to the team, to be honest with you. So we granted things like recoup and revive days. And we were very intentional with, you know, this isn't here, you know, as a nice sounding thing. We want you to take a day off and to switch off and to not respond to slacks and actually take some time to recoup because, you know, we're going through, we were in the middle of Christmas at this point and we are going through a really a really tough time, you know, and we've been very intentional with messages about, um, you know, expectations around Slack. I think that was a big one and emails and responding to people late at night. Like that was a very important one for our work-life divide and having the leadership team lead that from the front, which I think can be, you know, easier said than done. Um, but I think our, our leadership team were great. You know, they, you know, a lot of our messages were very, you know, if you've got a late night Slack message, we're very clear on do not look at this until tomorrow. You know, this is not what, this is just in my head now. I just need to get this out to you, but don't do anything on this now. So I think, you know, it's it's those types of kind of small intentional things that were really important and talking about it and talking about that we didn't have kind of the perfect answers for for fixing this, this problem with this work-life divide because it's almost impossible. Um, but you know, doing things, getting feedback on it and, and iterating. And then finally, I think on the connectedness part, you know, having the flexibility to redeploy our budget was, you know, I think we're really lucky. We're a small business and we were just, we got the opportunity just to run with our ideas. And it was a lot of, I think, just very intentional and well, well thought out activities. So I think it's going to sound really silly, but a turning point for us was that we had this chocolate tasting session that just brought the whole business together. And I think it was a turning point because we realised that the team were probably falling apart at the seams a little bit. Everyone was exhausted. We hadn't seen each other. We were so fatigued. And we 
put on this event and the point of it was that we wanted to do something that was, you know, at a time that everyone can join. So it wasn't at the very end of the day. Um, it was sort of towards the latter half of the day. Um, you know, it didn't involve alcohol, for example. It sounds so simple, but it meant that everyone could join in. Um, you know, chocolate, I think we we made sure that people, there was a, obviously like a variety of chocolates. Um, we tried to account for some dietary requirements. Um, and it was something that we just brought the whole team together and that everyone was really kind of raving about. Um, and I think what we learned from that was the importance of doing, being kind of very intentional with the activities that you did. And I think that has now kind of been a really important part of the things that we've done to keep the kind of the to keep driving connectedness I suppose um, you know that sort of approach we, we've kind of taken into other things so I think that's yeah. probably how we've and, and again we I definitely don't have the silver bullet for this. this is a really you know ongoing problem we're constantly surveying people we're constantly getting anecdotal feedback um, and just trying to iterate on what we do yeah, and exactly. That was what I was um, about to ask, because you obviously emphasize a lot on listening to people and coming up with all these great ideas like the chocolate event. Um, so I was just going to ask how you you come up with these ideas, make sure it's something that team wants. So you mentioned surveys. Is that like the main um, tool you use or? We do it. So I think surveys and kind of very short they're kind of very short kind of pulse type surveys I think is a really useful part and we we leave space for anecdotal feedback which is really really useful um so rather than sort of having this kind of one to five like art scale you know rating how people are feeling we're definitely giving space for that but to be honest the other part of it is using your team and keeping your ear to the ground um you know we've we're really lucky that our managers um are very engaged. They really care about their team. They are just a wealth of ideas. I go to them all the time and go, I'm thinking about this. You know, they were, you know, it was our, our head of BD and head of brand that drove a lot of the ideas for our Christmas party, for example. Um, we just helped facilitate it. So I think it's also a lot of, we just go out to the team and, and ask them, to be quite frank with you. It's actually just that simple. Yeah. What do you think employees are looking for when it comes to company culture? And this doesn't necessarily have to be related to Trova, but like in general, and how has this shifted since the start of the pandemic? So I think when people think about company culture, I think there are a couple of parts to, to what people want from a culture. I think people want to be a part of a business that, you know, they, they want a mission that they can get behind, right? And I think what is really important is joining a company that knows who they are and is really confident in their company culture. I think that is actually kind of the most important, important part about it. So to know about who they are, what they expect, how they interact, the behaviours they want from their team, how they're going to behave. You know, it's one of these, like, if you're not Google, don't pretend that you're Google, um, you know, and you don't promise those things if you can't do that because it's it's the important part of sort of the company culture is it's a business that knows who they are and they follow through with all those behaviours. I think that is the, that's, and that's been a real, I think, turning point for us over, over the course of the pandemic. I think we've become very, very clear on who we are and who we're not. We've, we've sort of rewritten our values and ways of working actually as a result of the pandemic. Um, so now we're a business that's very focused on things like, you know, context, clarity, visibility over communication. Um, 
Also, we're a high performance culture. You know, with all this stuff, you know, I think we're very clear that we are a high performance culture, but we really own it. And then what we do is we're making sure that we're trying to follow up with some of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? So that we create environments that people can make decisions really quickly regardless of where they sit in a hierarchy, that they can talk to people really quickly regardless of where they sit in a hierarchy, that they can get access to things that they need, that they they can see, you know, um, and hear what the strategy is. People are looking for a level of humanness, I think more so than, than they probably have in the past. You know, I think these topics of mental health, psychological safety, well-being, feeling connected, I think these are a lot of topics that sat in the periphery and now they can't. They need to be very much, regardless of what you stand for, what your company culture is, you know, you need to find ways to make sure that your your culture allows for that stuff and, and I think really celebrates that, that stuff. And I think that's been a real sort of learning point for us as well because I think for a while they did sit in the periphery for us and now it's very much about, kind of who we are and um, making sure that we have a culture that I think allows, yeah, allows those those elements to be celebrated and to really become a part of our ways of working. I love that. And I think you've hit the nail in the head there by saying simply following whatever your purpose or your mission or whatever you stand for, make sure you communicate that through every single touch point. So it's not only about your employer page and careers, but also within the workplace and even with the initiatives you have within the the company, the events you get involved in. I love that. And I think it's not given sufficient importance. So thank you for highlighting it there. And um, yeah, finally, is do you have any advice for our listeners who are HR, CEOs, founders, people and culture managers like yourself? Um, do you have any advice for them to create more human focused cultures like the one you have at Trova? I definitely can't claim to be an expert. I think the it's so interesting because I think the remote experience has really for us leveled the playing field between London and Lisbon. We've we've got two um, two separate offices, and it's really taken that element away, and we've become this sort of more human focused business, and that's something we're really really keen to maintain. And to be honest, I think you know at its core, I really think it's it's just about being authentic. Um, but I think probably above the authenticity piece is you know, you need to have a vision and a mission about what you want to create as a business and what you want your culture to be. You need to be so clear on, you know, what it is that you stand for. I'm sure that sounds cliched, but once you have that, and then I think the other really important part is the leadership buy-in. If you don't have leadership buy-in, it's all over. You just, if they don't believe in what you're doing and what you're trying to create, you know, the team feel it and the team won't buy into the things that you're doing. So, you know, you need to have that support and then you need to have, the autonomy to run with things. You know, you need to have trust in your people, in your people team, that they want to do what's best for the business. Um, yeah, without that, that that kind of, you know, you just, you can't create the human-focused culture. But I do think once you have those ingredients, I think it's about taking the time to, it's taking the time to understand who your team is. You can't copy what other people are doing. Um, because it's it's not real and it's not authentic and it's just not going to land with people. Um, so I think it's really about, you know, what is the thing that your team wants? Having that mindset that your team are here to work hard and your team believe in the business. If you don't think that's the case, then to be honest, I think you've 
we've probably hired wrong and that's a completely separate problem. So you have to, you, I think you have to operate with the mindset that, you know, people want to work really hard. And then so how do I do things that kind of, that celebrates those people and to really demonstrate that you care? And so I think it's about, you know, showing appreciation, doing things in really intentional ways and doing those things in a really authentic way. And the authenticity, I think, is is in the the what you do, but also how you communicate with people. And I think that's been a really interesting turning point for us because I, I don't think, I think we were authentic in who and what we did, but, you know, throughout the course of this pandemic and I think becoming a much more, you know, kind of human-focused business, it's been quite an amazing transformation. And it's, you know, watching our managers being more vulnerable, to be honest with you, and sort of saying, you know, this is what I do know and this is what I don't know and this is how I can help and this is how I can't help and this is my experience. And, you know, seeing that come from the top and then sort of permeate through the business, it's, it's been kind of quite unbelievable for us. I think, you know, one of, our, one of our values is we are one team and having this sort of this mindset shift in sort of mission, how we approach things, our values, more authentic communication has you just kind of watch the whole team live that um and yes I think it's it's not it's not a magic bullet it's not sort of ping pong tables it's not giving people more stuff it's just about being really intentional in the stuff that you're doing and knowing who you are um and maybe that maybe that's a little bit too aspirational I'm not sure um, no, like it, it is quite aspirational but I love that I support that 100% like being very purpose-driven, value-driven. I, I think that's the way to, to do business and really inspire the people who work for you as well. So yeah. yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Chloe. Thank you for your honest answers and providing so many new insights that I had never heard on this podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing everything, uh, all the amazing things that Truva is gonna do in the next couple of months. No problem, Sally. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It is no surprise that Truva has been able to nurture such a strong culture while growing at an incredible pace. Chloe shared so much value and insights, and I wanted to highlight three initiatives which stood out for me. First, the importance of onboarding and ongoing interactions between the people and culture team and managers to ensure that every employee is getting what they need, including access to calendars and even a suitable chair. I really like the emphasis on visibility into the business, but also about connectedness with initiatives like Coffee Roulette and Slack. Second, Using a holistic approach to employee well-being, Chloe mentioned they use pillars to guide their mindset and dictate how they run initiatives like eat well, sleep well, feel supported, have flexibility, etc. And finally, in the age we live in, it is critical for companies to realize that employees are looking for more than just a salary. They want a mission that they can support and organizations must know who they are and ensure that their culture comes across at every touch point. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and stay tuned for more insights and stories from wellness warriors at work.